0: Welcome to the Sawyer Highlands and Converge Community Church Sermon Podcast. Each week we will upload the sermon that was preached during the Sunday morning service at our new Buffalo campus in hopes that it will serve you well during the week. So sit back, relax, and may you be encouraged by the great hope you have in Jesus Christ as you listen to the preaching of God's Word. Gotta, gotta compose myself a little bit here. I think sometimes it's the easiest place to preach, because we sing the gospel first, and those aren't just songs to us. Don't, don't we long for all wrongs to be made right? And it's coming. And we get to live that out in the day-to-day. He's called us as children to walk in his love, to know it, to walk in it, and to be that to others. And all around every place we are, every neighborhood we're in, every country we ever get to, there's people that are just so far from it. So all the crazy stuff you hear. That's exactly what our enemy wants you to think the world is, and it's not. Jesus to come back. To know that we who have walked away from him and said that to that he loves us still. What a thing to sing, to know, to have. I hope every day that we live we grow in understanding the love of God in Christ. Changes everything for us, and we got an enemy that wants us to forget it and wants it drowned it out all the time. So I love, <clears throat> I love that we sing the gospel first. Very important. We come into Proverbs because we can misread Proverbs. Okay, so we're in Proverbs today. Uh, we did something a little different. I, I, I got myself composed now. <clears throat> we uh, so normally we're going through a book of the Bible. Is this me doing this? Okay. Um, so Proverbs is very different. Uh, we did the first nine chapters sequentially. Now we're doing some, some topics with it. And some of you guys go like, man, when you're flipping through all these verses, I just got lost by the second one. So Sonia printed them out today, so you got them. Uh, it's just way easier to see. So Thad's on in the back. He's going to project things up here. But again, what we really want you to do, we want you to see, hear, and absorb God's Word. So whoever's preaching, whether it's Mike or Rob or me, doesn't matter. It's God's Word. That's what we want to hear. Okay? So let me just remind us of big things on Proverbs before I get to kind of the theme verse for today, and then we pray and kind of set ourselves. But um, this is wisdom literature, and again, you've got this conversation of these two paths that are going on all the time. And I want to commend to you at 10 o'clock, Mike usually does a study, but whatever scriptures is going to be preached we study them first in there. So I did it today. It's just good discovery work, and you just come in here really ready to, to receive God's word differently. So if you can do it, you already made an effort to get here at 11, or some of you at 11.10. Um, not counting, but I was in the back. There's so many more of you that come at 11.10 than 11. It's, it's pretty amazing. So, um, But if you can get here at 10, or even 10.10, 10, uh, you'll get that you'll, you'll preparing. So take that as just a word of encouragement. Um, there's no treasure in heaven for getting there, but you'll, it'll be good. So I want you to think about this, that the, the relational way we're made for God. Think about walking with God and how that's in the Scripture. It starts with Adam in the garden. He walks with God. Enoch walks with God. Noah walks with God. So we talked about this a couple weeks ago. And the very end, when we get to Revelation 21, the very last chapter, we're seeing God face to face. It, it, it's, it's, it's relational dimensions. So when you read Proverbs, you can think there's a good team and a bad team. That's not it. This is not moralistic. This is not saying to us, do good, be good, you will be good. That's a moralistic approach. That's a religious approach. That's not the gospel. So just understand that being so. But we're made for this life with God. And so Proverbs is continually putting out before us two paths. It's very pronounced in the scriptures we've chosen for these two paths. Okay? So essentially the one path, it's the path to walk with Jesus. That's what it is. But I want you to think of the metaphor as wisdom literature, using metaphors and word pictures. There's these these pictures that are meant to get a particular reality to us very strongly. So one of my favorite things in life is the outdoors. I feel like that's where I come alive. And I like hiking. Um, My daughter still quotes, I think, the vacation from the bad place is being when I think we hiked 60 miles through Yosemite and the Grand Canyon. Um, So we've hiked less lately. When we did Glacier, I think we did only 35. We just did that. So when you're hiking, imagine hiking. You're on this path. You're in a place you've never been before. And you come to a fork in the road. What do you do? What do you do? I'm a nerd. I love hiking. I love trips. I actually hike with one of these. This is not like a, a small little pocket size. This is the National Geographic version of a map. So I'm going to put it here, and it won't stay, till i straight. Put it up here. Hiking with a map's a good thing. Now, when I go someplace, I've read the map, actually, Uh, When we're going someplace big like a national park, I've read this map a lot of times because I picked out which trails we wanted to go on. So I kind of know the map. Um, I also have the map with me. I've read it. It's kind of in my head. I've got it with me. I have it. How do I know which way to go? The map's super helpful. Super helpful. Here's going to be our theme verse. It's 1412, so I think the way they're written for you is in sequential order. Here's what Proverbs 14:12 says. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of what's the word? It's the way of death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. How do you respond to that statement? What is it saying to us? Let's pray. Father, this morning we need your help. I know I need it immensely. I need it to be clear. Uh, We need it to hear. We've got so many things going on, and our bodies are tired. For, Lord, may a tired body make our spirit alive and awake to you. So would you speak to us? Lord, only you know everybody here. Only you know what's going on in our lives and days, and you do. So thank you. So we ask that today for every single person you would speak to us. We would hear it from your word, and then we would respond as is good. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So look at that verse. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That is, it seems right to us, but it's not only not right, it's deadly. It leads to death. That's, that's a wake-up verse, isn't it? So what should you do? It's a very important question. Very important. So let's make a couple of just simple observations about that. What seems right and what God declares as right are often two different things. Right? Isn't that, would you get that from that? What seems right and what God declares right is often two different things. So let's admit that what we think is good and right It isn't always. So I don't know what your week's been like or what's going on, but that probably lands on some of us in place. So let's admit that what we think is good and right isn't always, or what God says is good and right, it always is. So we should trust what God says more than what we think. So, thus the map. I'm in the fork in the road, and I don't know what to do. How would I know? Any of you ever been hiking someplace and you chose a trail that you thought was right, you didn't have one of these, you chose a trail that you thought was right, and you later on found out it wasn't right? Any of you got stuck out in uh, an island? And I, you know somebody that's right. Do you know the story of Dan being out there with his boys out on uh, South Manitou, North Manitou Island, okay? You have to take a ferry to get there. And they're out hiking. Aaron, you would, you'd, you'd feel for the story because I think the boys are about the same age. They're out there hiking and someone got lost in a trail. And uh, this is not in my notes, but anyway. <clears throat> so a couple of his friends were out with their boys and it began to get dark. And their, uh, their, their trusty uh, light on their phones that was dying and they couldn't get back. And Dan, Dan was at home base with his son, right? Mark was with you. And uh, so they had to spend the night. They couldn't find the trail. Had to spend the whole night out there. So you know what? Dan Dan was super thoughtful. Dan thought, well, the guys aren't here. I should I should call their wives and let them know. <laughs> we gave him the business for that one. <laughs> it, at what point in what moment did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> I think that's how it went. And they and they, okay. So these guys, the other guys. Uh, so Rob was one of them. They they slept under a tree at night, and it got cold, and it was dark. So every, I don't know if you ever gotten lost or, or made the wrong move on a trail. What's going to tell you? So it's a metaphor for us. There's a way that seems right to man, but its end leads in death. And the only way we're going to know is by a map. I I'm I'm, I'm, I'm put my big Bible out here. So we see it. it's going to be God's word It's going to lead us. Now think, think through this, because this is, this is going on all the time. It's since the very beginning. If you think of the big story of human history, is that not what happens in the garden? God makes all this stuff. It's beautiful. And here's Eve out here. And the serpent, Satan, comes to her and says, Hey, did God really say you're not supposed to eat of any of these trees? What's he doing? He's attacking God's character. And so she goes, No, no, God didn't say that. He just said if that tree, that tree we're not supposed to eat of it or touch it, she added to what he said, and if we do, we'll die. And then the servant comes back and says, oh, you're not going to die. God knows if you do that, you will be like him. Notice the temptation. God is keeping something good from you. Don't you know that? Because if you eat that, you're going to become like God. you know good from evil. Okay. He's, he's always doing this. He's always done this, trying to doubt what this says. There's a way that seems right to man. It seems right. It seems so right. I could give you a thousand reasons why this is right and it leads to death this is still going on today in a hundred issues and the big issues in our culture that's changing fast whether it has to do with a view of marriage a view of personhood a view of sexuality the, the the view of when life begins it's all over the place and it's true in smaller decisions that we face as well the question is what will you believe it's a fork in the road are you going to believe what God says or what just seems right to you? Again, this is not in my notes, but I'm just going to say this. God's word is clear in so many issues. It's a sure and right way. But I'm going to say another thing that God's given. He's given us his Holy Spirit, but one of the problems in, uh, in an American church is we think of the Holy Spirit very individualistically. We don't think the community of faith, the body of Christ, the Spirit is in the body of Christ. So one of the things that God has given us as brothers and sisters that can be sound in prayer for us, bounce stuff off of us. So we did the, the whole proverb on friends. this iron sharpens iron. I'm telling you, my wife has said to me things that I didn't want to hear and was the very right thing and very much sharpened me. So the body of Christ is one of those things that we need around us. It just, it just is, all right? What seems right to man but leads to death. So I put that one out there. Um, where's Eileen again? So Eileen actually probably nailed, I think, this morning in the other class, what I think is the key verse, but I'm using this one as the key verse because it leads us in to recognizing, man, what I think is often not right, and it's lead the wrong way. So what I want to do is I'm going to divide this up in really two categories. This, this question of what it is that leads to life or what it is that leads us, it is peppered throughout the Proverbs. So the first batch that we're going to look at, and it may be written this way on your sheet, I'm not sure, is righteousness is connected to life. So what I'm going to do is read these. That I don't know how we put them up if we did them one at a time. I'm just going to read these, these first verses together, um, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about them. Uh, Proverbs 10:2 says, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. So there's this aspect, and we talked about money a couple of weeks ago, that uh, money is this funny thing. It can be a, a lure, and... It can draw people into um, a, an ethical behavior. If that becomes a thing they are treasuring or wanting, it becomes that. But righteousness delivers from death. Ten sixteen: the wage of the righteous leads to life; the gain of the wicked to sin. There's there's choices here. There's a path. Eleven thirty: the fruit of righteous is a tree of life. What's fruit? What's a tree of life? Whoever captures souls is wise. We had a great discussion on that this morning. Um, Emily had some really good things to say. So I'm going to come back to that one later on. 1228. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. So you you notice in those those few ones there's some themes that get repeated different ways. And what I want to think about and talk about is what is righteous and righteous living. Because he says that is life. What is righteousness? From where does it come? I think it's a huge question. So I don't know if you're familiar with this mentality. It's pretty common. It actually can be true in the church very often. But I'm going to use some other scenarios first. There's an us and them mentality. So you certainly see it in um, for the fundamentalistic Muslim who would see um, infidels and what they are. You see it there. But it permeates religious culture. Um, Jesus' chief critics, the Pharisees, and we use it almost as, a, as, a, as, a, as an adjective to be Pharisaical, were those who saw righteousness as something they had, and the others were unclean and didn't have. So you remember the, the parable with Jesus is telling these two guys walking into the, the temple and praying, and the Pharisees going, oh, Lord, you know, thank you that... Uh, You've given me these things. I've been tithing for my garden and all these things, and thank you that I'm not like this sinner over here who is a tax collector who can't even lift his eyes up, and he simply pounded on his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he can say. Notice the Pharisee's thanking God. He recognizes God's given him things, and he's being obedient to God, tithing. Even the smallest part of his garden. He's thanking God for it, but what is going on there? This is a self-righteousness. He's far from God. In that us-and-them mentality, they've got it wrong. And here's this guy. All he's doing is appealing to God's mercy. And Jesus says, this is the man who walks away justified. So in Proverbs and in the Old Testament, righteous or righteousness is defined is obedience to God's law that's shown in a right relationship with God, one another, and creation. See, the Pharisees had all the rules down, and they did them, but their hearts were far from God, Jesus would say. Okay, so go back to the Old Testament. So you got these things out here. If, it, if it's obedience to God's law shown in a right relationship with God, one another, and creation, isn't it crazy when you read the Old Testament stories that, that our heroes are all fallen Moses is a murderer. David, one who has a heart after God, commits adultery. Abraham, who's in one sense the father of faith, I mean, he's like God tells him something, and he doesn't, he tries to help God out and does this whole thing with Hagar. It's like, why, why is there such inconsistency throughout that? Let me say this again. One of the reasons why I love the scripture is because it's not edited. The stories aren't cleaned up. If it it was false, you'd take out some of those parts that make us very uncomfortable. Why is, what's going on there? So here's what basically, in the Old Testament, it continually shows us, here's what God's calling us to and we can't get there. There's a a failure of all the people we love. Sometimes we're reading a story and going like, no, don't do that! And they walk right into it. And we recognize we're the same. We have some very vivid pictures, narratives, of sin and what it does. And so in that, in the Old Testament, we see it, it comes in the wilderness, the sacrificial s- uh, system being introduced because we're understanding in all of that, a word picture being acted out, a holy God and the fact that we are all fallen, we don't get there, which is going to lead up to Jesus. But all of that are like, um, much of the Old Testament functions like, so sometimes we use the word a shadow, Another word I like to use, it's a, it's a seed thought which goes on and continues to get developed in the New Testament. So when people say the New Testament is different than the Old Testament, they just don't know how to read it. What happens is the Old Testament introduces these themes which are more developed like a seed becomes a plant which becomes something robust. That's what the New Testament does. And in Jesus, we see it more fully. So when you read in the Bible, just always think of it In those kind of terms. So where's this right? So when Proverbs talk about the righteous, we have it said, this pathway, God's pathway, it's going to lead your life. This other one won't. So let's keep thinking about righteous and righteousness. Think really quickly of the book of Romans and how it's laid out. The first couple chapters speak of God's law, the Old Testament, all this righteousness. And when you get to chapter three, what's it say? It's interesting. It quotes I didn't count this. I think it's at six or seven times it's quoting from the Old Testament. Chapter three is very clear. It just simply says, no one. No one's righteous. Now, if you stop reading the book there, you go like, man, what do we do? And some of us go like, I don't like talking about sin. I don't like, but, but here's, the, we got we to come to grips with where we're really at. And, and the Savior's never magnified if we don't see how, how great the sin is. And just just no one. So here's a standard you don't get there. And we get to chapter 5. He's talking about Adam and Jesus and put these two up there. And it speaks of the trespass with Adam. Then it introduces this term, the free gift, the free gift of God. It's salvation. Actually, then it used that word justified, which is basically you're declared righteous. So this is a crazy thing. Those who aren't righteous are declared righteous by God. Where does that happen in life? Those who aren't are declared righteous by God, by faith in Jesus, who is the one and only true righteous one. Chapter 6 speaks of it. Again, it says the wages of sin is death. It's a little bit of the Proverbs. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And as the book goes on, you get to chapter 8, it just keeps going. You're seeing God's, God's sovereign, adopting love upon us, which leads to a life of worship. You get to chapter 12, that's what it is. We become the sacrifice. We live this out as living sacrifices. We're, our whole lives are poured out because he's poured it all out for us. We want to do that. That's, that's how that's all goes. So, now let's go back and... And think through these four Proverbs again, understanding righteousness like that, coming from Jesus. 12.28. I don't think we have it here, but it's on your sheet. In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. What's that sound like? Do you remember, remember Jesus says this? It's Matthew 7. Jesus, This is the call to follow Jesus, and he says it this way. Enter by the narrow gate... The narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy. I like easy, don't you? Anybody like hard? I don't like hard. I like easy. But wait, wait. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Very similar to what the Proverbs say. saying. Jesus uses the same metaphor. This wide way. That's not the way. The way most people think, that's not the way. There is a way that seems right to man, and it leads to death. He, Jesus is saying it. Proverbs, that look for this narrow way. You know what it is? It's following, following Jesus, no matter what, no matter what the rest of your friends at school do. Because a wide way, it says many are going to be on this other one. It just, it uses. It's like a math problem. Many and few. And it's make this very clear to us. Sometimes it'll feel lonely. Because you'll be one of the few. You might be the only one at work, the only one in your neighborhood, the only one at school. That's yeah, Jesus, said it. Jesus said it. You think it's going to be true? Don't believe me if I say it, but Jesus says it, it's going to be true. He also says, "I won't leave you." It's a way of life. See, we actually in the gospel, what happens? We actually live as we die. That's the whole death and resurrection of Jesus. It's it's. In one sense, faith and repentance is I'm giving up my life. I'm giving up the right to own my life. You died for me, so God, take it all. It's not, forgive me if I offend somebody, but I will offend you on this one. There's no place in the Bible says pray and ask Jesus in your heart and you go to heaven. There's no place in the Bible that says that. There just isn't. There's that faith and repentance. I, you don't have to know everything about God. But you come to the point where you say, Lord, I'm done living this for me. I surrender my life to you. I think surrender is a very good word to understand faith and repentance. Just give it to them. There's a moment where that happens. and Actually, when we get to baptism later on, we're going to hear glorious testimonies of people just saying that. But you're not the perfect person. It's not saying that. Just you need Jesus, and that's who you're going to follow. So this is the call to that narrow way. All right, 10-2, Proverbs 10-2. Look at this one. I'm going to describe 102 and 10:16 as the effects of being fully alive." Another word I'll use is, effects of being awakened, like someone's asleep, and they're awakened. They're, they're woke up. 10:2 says, "But righteousness, when it says, "But righteousness delivers from death," that does not mean that you're never going to die." Sort of a death in your life. So there's people who are, you know, the, the whole walking dead, they're just sleep, they're not, they're not fully alive. 10.16 says, the wage of the righteous leads to life. What's that mean? So again, here's this seed thought in the Old Testament that's, that's being developed. This is being fully alive, alive to God. Not simply your heart is beating and you're breathing. There are people, their hearts are, bre- are, are beating, they're breathing. They are not fully alive. You seen that? Know that? They're not fully alive. They're not, they're not alive to God. And so this aspect of, of birth and being fully alive, Jesus brings in uh, in the discussion with Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John where he, he wants to know about the kingdom of God and how one gets there. And Jesus says, you've got to be, the phrase is, you've got to be born again or born of the Spirit, meaning this, this is God doing something to you. What did, what did you have to do with your birth physically, by the way? Is outside of you. God comes and does this. He awake. I like the word awaken. He awakens people to Himself. He He's the one who makes them alive. So sometimes the technical theological word we use is regeneration, but it's new birth, birth of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit making you alive. And God's Spirit is alive in you. So let me just pause for a moment. If you go like, man, I've been coming to church for a while. I don't know if that's happened to me. Just let's just talk. Because this is what God loves to do. He makes his people fully alive. That's that's the seed thought of these Proverbs. And when you've experienced that new birth in Jesus, these are some of the things that will happen to you. You are alive to how creation sings of the glory of our creator. It just does to you. You hear birds different. Those waves when they kick. You you see it, the sunset. It's, It's so different than others that think it's a cool sunset. You're Creation is singing to you of the glory of God. You're alive to Jesus' love, and it comes out in the way you love other people. Not because they're lovely. Just because you're, you're affected by Jesus' love. So you do love others. Even introverts love others. Case in point. Those of you who know my wife, who is the classic extrovert. I am not. You're alive to the joy of walking with God during your day. You're alive to the joy of walking with God during your day when you're answering the email, when you're not getting the customer service you're used to getting because nothing works anymore in the last two years, when you're shopping for groceries, when you're in traffic, when you're dealing with somebody at work, when you're training your toddler, when you're lying down to sleep at night, you're just aware of him. Okay. Now, let me say this. We all struggle with that too not perfect, but, but paying it, I say all those things, it's paying attention to the Holy Spirit, it's in you, and it's living fully alive, when God's done that, okay, it's in you, it's right there, you might go, man, I used to be like that, I'm not like, it's in, I'm telling you, when the Lord has made you alive to him, he's not taking it away, when you're a child, he's not going, you've been a really bad kid lately, I'm kicking you out, he doesn't do that to his children, So it might have gotten stifled by a few things along the way, but if it's there, it's there. And all I want to say, let's pay attention to it. It's the Holy Spirit. That's how we come into his kingdom. He he makes us alive to him. That's what, that's in these Proverbs. Isn't that wonderful? It's right there for us. All right. 1130, This this is a really good verse. I want everybody to look at this one. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. So, Aiden, we're, and we're, we're talking about this um, this morning. What's the fruit? The fruit of the righteous is this. So, fruit, again, seed, tree, fruit. Um, Old Testament, New Testament uses language. So, it's like the result of it. This grows in you, the tree of life. What's that? So, he's talking about the way of life. But again, the tree of life was where? Where was that in the Bible? You could say it. Is in the garden. So he's talking about something. This is how God has made us. It, it's just a word picture, is what it is. But this thing that we're called to, an abundant life in Him, the fruit of the righteous, it's this abundant life in Him. We're fully alive, and whoever captures souls is wise. What's going on there? And Emily started talking about that's what Jesus said. Absolutely. That's what He said. Peter drop the nets, quit fishing for fish. Come on, you can be a fisher of men. There's this part of understanding that as we're, as he's done this for us, this is not all about us. It's about him. And if you're ever happy about something, you know what you want to do when you're happy about it? <clears throat> all right. How many, how I'm going to do this this way. <laughs> Should I do this or not? <clears throat> I'll, do, I'll, I'll do it two ways. How many remember when you had your first kid? Raise your hand. How many remember when you had your first grandkid? How many of you that had your hands up before never showed anybody a picture of them? No way! You get your kid, you got your grandkid. You're happy, so what are you? You're showing everybody! And, I can't, I'm on screen. Infants are ugly. They just are. What, thank you for admitting that by your okay. They just are. You go, oh, they're so cute, you. That's the one time it's okay to lie. Okay, but infants just are. Now, like, a week or two, they, they become something else. But it's when you say that, it, it's like it's a th- the event is amazing. If you ever watch the birth, you just go, I don't know how people don't believe in God when they watch a birth. It's just like, watch it all. And There it is. We're meant to give birth with, with people. That's what we're meant to do. Dad, do we have the Matthew 13 one? Can you put it up? So here's a different way Jesus says this. He he who captures souls is wise. Now follow this parable. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. So when he talks about it, again, think of the kingdom of heaven comes to people. So they had the kingdom wrong. Jesus, you're going to come in. They're thinking it's Rome. This kingdom grows in hearts. It's the way he captures us. And he describes it in a metaphor. This is very much like a proverb kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and he planted in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it's larger than all the garden plants, and it becomes a tree. Then what happens? It's a tree, so the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. What's he talking about? When the gospel takes root in a life in a person grows in you. It looks like nothing at first. The change is small, but it keeps coming. It grows in you, and you're this tree. You know what happens? Other people come around that tree. It's a place of safety for them, a place where they get nourished. They come into your home. They feel grace. They don't even know what it is. Whether you speak God's name, Jesus' name, or not, they, they sense it. They, that's what happens. It's another way of saying he who captures souls is wise, these are just things on this, on this path. The path to life, Jesus' path, there's, there's things that go. This is not about a ticket to heaven. Our lives are so much more than that. It's about following Jesus in every way. And here it is. And this is the effects of being fully alive like a tree. He who captures souls is wise. Let me just pause for a second. Does new buffalo in this area need that? Absolutely. 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 Let's be that. All right, second part. Ooh, we're already there. Okay, quick. Last, last part is, is this really serious? Is it, is it life and death? So I, I just got three proverbs here. Um, okay, it says, uh, 1916 says, Whoever keeps the commandment keeps his life. He who despises his ways will die. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of life. Snares of death, and then the last one says, "The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death." He just note because you get both of those there, and I think we're putting it one by one Note how similar 1314, the middle one is, with the last one 1427. Do you see how similar they are? So we won't take the time to talk about it now. Well, a little bit we will. But there's there's some, um, some really we, we did this in the study at the uh, 10 o'clock hour. So what I want to do is I want to think about the metaphors there, um, the fountain of life and the snares of death. And again, with our theme verse, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So fountain of life, uh, just think about it this way. So we talked about this is written, so this is 1,000 years before Jesus um, even in developing world, this is point is important right now. But if you have a well in a town, so think of a developing nation, or think of 3,000 years ago, that well, that's super important. Water is essential to life. That's why people are big on giving purified water and all this stuff all over the world. It's essential. That well, it's in the center. So you, if some of you are thinking John 4, the woman and all that stuff, there you go. But it, what, what he says here, it's a... It's a fountain of life, the fear of the Lord, the teaching of the wise, which I'll come back to. But he says um, what that's supposed to do is to help us to turn away from the snares of death. So, what I wanted to do is bring this home in terms of snares of death. Oh, here we go. Oh, who set the trap for me? Who set this for me? Thank you, Bill. This is called a live trap. This is particularly, oh, I didn't bring anything for this. For a uh, Anybody know what this would be catching, supposed to catch? Raccoons, yes. Anybody got nasty raccoons around? Okay, there you go. So the raccoon, you put the bait back here. You can actually do it either way. The little guy walks in here, and when he walks across that platform, he's down, and he's in the trap. Stuck in the trap. This here. This is another example of a live trap. Anybody know what this one's supposed to catch? Zion, squirrels. Good guess. I have gotten squirrels in there. It's a little too big for squirrels, and they are a nuts to get out. But okay. What what else to? Might chipmunks. Anybody got pesky chipmunks around? These things are brilliant. Okay, you know. What, so that guy, you got to put the bait in here. This thing, all you do is you sprinkle some like little uh, sunflower seed in the ground. Just drop it right over. And you don't have to do anything. And the little chipmunk, he comes like in this door and the door closes. He can go in. He's got two doors to pick from. He gets in there and he can't get out. One, two squirrels and two chipmunks. And that was no fun to get rid of them. But Pastor Mike's not here, right? Okay. I have let them go at the, uh, the, park, the uh, park by his house a number of times. But <laughs> I don't know if they got to his house. So those are, is this the illustration? Um, where's the verse again? The fear of the Lord the fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Is that the illustration? The answer is no. Say no. Oh, it's a life trap. That's not what that is. Okay. Anybody know what these are? These are really good mouse traps. Anybody use those old-fashioned ones where you had to put the pin across it and all that? Anybody freaked out by those? I hate those. I can't set them. I'm like, I set those, I've got my finger snapped so many times. Evidently, I'm having trouble with that one too. Okay, this guy works good. Okay, these guys, they're so, you just put the little clicker back there and the mouse comes up. And it's like, I have, think I've used these 20, 25 times. I have never seen a live mouse after coming to this. why did I put these up here? It's supposed to make a point. It's not a live trap. There's a snare of death. There's a way that seems right to a man. And he's not just entangled in a life trap. But it leads to death. Here it calls it a snare of death. Snare meaning, uh, someone used the word, there's bait. I think that was Aidan's word. There, you don't see it. That's the idea. So I peanut butter, cheese, whatever you use. You don't see it, and it's going to get you. Got these two paths out here, okay. So I think we've done something with the, the fountain of life along the way. It, it says here, what is the fountain of life? In the two verses, there's two things. There's the teaching of the wise. And there's the fear of the Lord. So the teaching of the wise, it's no good unless you listen to it, right? Yeah, listen to it. So what's that? It's right here. And it's it's the fear of the Lord. Now what's that? So it's interesting, um, Emily being from Switzerland and having different translations, we're talking about this. And so we're talking about the fear of the Lord. She talked about what the word is in German, which is actually a much better word. We don't have a good English word for this. So when it says fear of the Lord, again, this is something that's happened to you. The teaching of the wise is outside. It's no good unless I listen to it. The fear of the Lord, so here's here's another words I would use, I would substitute, Reverent awe. It's an understanding of God, particularly His holiness. It demands um, respect and love and obedience. In, in the way that you kind of go, like when you're, you're just like, "Who am I? Whom I'm not supposed to be in this room?" It's that. It's not a fear of punishment. So when we get to fear, that's how we think of it. Interesting. You should talk to Emily about this too, in terms of the word, because. Um, we don't understand royalty. Europeans do. And what that is to be around that, it's different than how, how Americans think. But this, it's this reverent awe just going like, who am I? So let me just ask, ask you this about yourself. Would you say that you live with a reverent awe of the Lord or are you barely thinking about Him in your average day? Do I live with a reverent awe of the Lord or do I hardly think of a so Honestly, all of us struggle this in some way. The only thing that will get me thinking right is from Scripture. The only way that will get me on the map, on that right path, is the Scripture. Everything else to me, it's tough. Life is about me. That's how we're, we are hardwired to think life is about us. And we dismiss, the only way I can get that right. It's not like I, I, read, oh, I did my 30-minute devotion or I read my little devotion. It's like I gotta, the Word has to have this effect on me. I get, the, the teaching, the wise, has got, it has to be there. We just don't tend to see God's holiness. And maybe it's because we don't want to. Certainly our enemy works hard so that we won't. If we see him right, we will wonder and awe at him. I haven't quoted this guy for a long time. One of my favorite old preachers is Martin Lloyd Jones. So, Lloyd Jones got this real sense of, I've used the word sinners and a holy God. I want to get these two concepts. Dad, I think we got that quote. And I'm wrapping up here. It's that long one. So he says, you'll never make yourself feel that you're a sinner because there is a mechanism in you as a result of sin that will always be defending you against every accusation. We're all on very good terms with ourselves and we can always put up a good case for ourselves. Even if we try to make ourselves feel that we're sinners, we'll never do it. There's only one way to know that we're sinners and that's to have, a, to have some dim, glimmering conception of God. Friends, growing to see the beauty and holiness of God, that proper sense of a, a holy reverence from Him, if that happens, what the proverb says is that will keep you from the snare of death. It'll keep you from the snare of death. It uses that word to turn away. So let me just ask you as we close you know what, let's have the worship team go ahead and come up. Do You guys come up. On a scale of one to ten, do you have a right fear of the Lord, a right holy reverence of Him? How would you rate it? Scale of one to ten. You don't turn that into me. Just a way to ask the question. Where am I? How in the world might that grow in my life? None of us are putting over there. I don't think any of us are putting us over at 9 and 10. How would that grow in my life? Do you want it to? I guess that's the bigger question. So I want it to. When that happens, there's a clarity that comes in terms of what it, that thing that seems right to me. When I'm hearing to hear from God, from his word, brings a clarity. If you want to live fully alive fully alive to god how would you respond to what you've heard today from the lord so i'm gonna i'm gonna pray actually we're gonna um the worship team is gonna play for a little bit and i want you to think about this with the lord with whatever's going on in your life and then we're gonna prepare to take the lord's supper together and I, sometimes we don't create enough space for this, but we're going to do that today, okay? So, um, Dan, why don't you guys just play? And talk to the Lord about what he's brought to your mind. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like more information about Sawyer Highlands Church and Converge Community Church and the service times for both campuses, please visit our website at www.sawyerhighlands.org. Until next time, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.